Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority or power has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And Matthew just had to say, Amen. For a few minutes today, I want to preach on this subject. I am with you. God bless you. you may be seated. The disciples had both heard and seen Jesus declare and demonstrate who he was for over three years. Nevertheless, though, they were more than a bit troubled following the Last Supper. The weight of Jesus' departure lay heavy on them. It had finally sunk in. Their misconceptions of deliverance from Rome and a physical kingdom lay shattered. But Jesus did not rebuke them. He certainly did not reject them, but he graciously gathers them together for this amazing final conversation that fascinates me. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In other words, Jesus just comforts them and then goes straight to it. That if you believe in the God of the Old Testament, creator God, sovereign over all, the ruler over all, then you cannot believe in the God of the Old Testament and not believe that I am the God of the Old Testament. And Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Glory is right. It is the hope of glory. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. But Thomas... Mm -hmm. We like to call him Doubting Thomas. But John appreciates Thomas because maybe Thomas says what we think. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. 
And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Gentlemen, Jesus said, I'm not just revealing the way to God. I am the way. I'm not just speaking the truth of God's word. I am the word and I am the truth. I am the abundant life of the present and I am the everlasting life of eternity. I am. Don't you get it? Not you, the disciples. You're, you're all astute scholars. But the disciples, they had questions. So Jesus says, to see me is to see the glory of the Father. That, that should have been pretty clear, right? I mean, three and a half years of this, we only get a final conversation. They had three and a half years. But it was Philip's turn. And Philip said to him, now, I just read what Jesus said. And Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus is nice, and I'm thankful for it because I need his long-suffering mercy. But he was long-suffering in this point in time. And Jesus said to him, have I not been with you so long? And yet you have not known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? It's like, listen. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? And the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Believe me. Believe what I have declared. But for goodness sake, if you cannot believe what I have said, then at least believe what I have done. I am the creator God. I am the master of the universe. I am the mighty God in Christ. I am the great I am that I am. I have declared it and I have demonstrated it. So believe, believe me that I and the Father are one. Believe me that I am God, Emmanuel, God with us. I am Yahweh. I am Jehovah. I am the first and the last. Believe me. What works was Jesus speaking of? I'd like to think all of them, but we can't. Go over all of them today. Amen? Or we'd sell tickets for that and serve popcorn. They were not there. But they unquestionably believed that it was the creator God 
who in the beginning had divided the waters from the dry land on the third day of creation and drew a line and said, waves no more stop here. They were not there, but they fiercely believed that Jehovah had parted the Red Sea. He had brought water out of a rock and sustained two million plus people. And they believed that Yahweh had dried up the Jordan River and God's people marched through on dry land. But they were there when Jesus was fast asleep in a savage storm that even experienced sailors were scared for their life. And they were there when Jesus arose and rebuked the wind and the waves and the roaring sea became a placid lake. They were there in the boat. They were in another boat in another storm that was life-threatening when Jesus came to their rescue. And he didn't come rowing in a boat and he didn't come on a paddleboard. He came walking on the water. And for a cherry on top, he called Peter and empowered him to walk on water. They knew only Yahweh was sovereign over the unstoppable power of water. But they watched Jesus be Yahweh in the flesh and exercise dominion over the water. What about the fish in the sea? They believed that Yahweh, creator God, had created all the creatures of the sea on the fifth day. They weren't there, of course, but they, they, they believed with all of their hearts that God had commissioned a great fish to swallow Jonah and provide a private submarine ride for three days and chauffeur him to the exact spot God wanted him. They believed it. But Peter, James, and John... They were there when they had fished all night and caught nothing. But in obedience to the command of Jesus, they threw their nets over one more time. And they were there and watched with awe as Jesus whistled for a massive school of fish. And they showed up and they overwhelmed their nets and they overwhelmed the nets of their neighbors. And they broke through that God exercised dominion over the fish. They were there when the collector showed up demanding payment for the temple tax. And Jesus said, go down, Peter, you, the experienced fisherman. And I think Peter might have been offended, a commercial fisherman, to be told to go take a line with a hook and fish off the shore. Right? But Jesus told Peter, go down to the lake, throw in a line, open the mouth of the first fish you catch, and you'll find in it a large silver coin. Take it and pay the tax bill. Who could command a fish to swallow a coin, swim to a location, bite a hook, and Peter fillets it open, there's the coin, taxes are paid. Nobody but God. Right. You're right. Nobody but God. And Jesus was trying to tell them, I have declared it and I have demonstrated that I am God all by myself. Time. Time fails me to talk about the significance of Jesus healing the lepers or forming an eyeball out of clay and placing it into a body and sight coming. Cursing a fig tree so that it dried up from the roots up instantly. Or what about riding an untrained donkey's colt into Jerusalem with people waving palm branches and screaming Hosanna all along the way? And if you don't think that's significant, why don't you try to ride an untrained donkey with people waving branches and screaming along the way? 
But God spoke through a donkey and Jesus rode on a donkey. He demonstrated who he was. I am the mighty God in Christ. I am the I am. And what about death? They believed with all of their heart. They were convinced that God had raised the dead through the prophet Elijah through the prophet Elisha, even so that a dead man hitting the bones of Elisha had lived again. They believed in that. But they were there when Jesus stopped the funeral procession from the ceremony to the cemetery, and he raised the widow's only son of Nain. They were there when Jesus had raised Jairus' daughter from the dead, and they were there just mere days earlier when Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb, and he had been dead four days and stunk, but he came walking out alive resurrected and Jesus said I am the resurrection they were there and they watched him demonstrate who he was so hear the words of Jesus and feel their soul-stirring impact on the disciples when Jesus said believe me that I am in the father and the father in me or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves Here's why it mattered that they believed that he was who he said he was. He said in John 14 and 12, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he will do because I go to my Father. And, and how would this happen? How would they do these greater works? Jesus said in verse 13, And whatsoever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And in verse 16, Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. And the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. And he's talking about the Spirit of truth. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And then Jesus makes it all clear. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Amen. Jesus is telling the disciples kind of in, in spiral style of learning. I've demonstrated my sovereign power by my works. But you're going to continue my mission and my kingdom through even greater works. And you're going to do it by the authority of my name. And you're going to do it by my spirit that is going to be in you. Amen. And let me just pause here to say this. If Jesus isn't who he says he is, if he isn't who the Bible declares that he is, if Jesus is merely same in substance but distinct in three centers of conscience as the church came to believe, influenced more by the writings of the philosophers than the writings of the apostles, if Jesus is not who he says he is, then this passage in John and the Bible as a whole is nothing more than a who's on first comedy of confusion. But Jesus was not confused. And the disciples were not confused. You see, if, if Jesus isn't who he says he is, then our heads are left swirling. 
because in this one conversation, Jesus interchanges titles at whim, seemingly. In verse 16, Jesus said, The Father will give a helper, the Spirit of truth, who will abide with you. Jesus had just said in verse 6, I am the truth. In verse 18, Jesus now says, I will come to you. In verse 23, it gets real messy. Jesus says, the Father and I will come to you. In verse 26, Jesus says, the Father will send the helper in my name. But in 5 and 43, Jesus has said, I come in my Father's name. Holy Ghost is named Jesus. Jesus is named Jesus. Father's name, Jesus. Father's coming. We're coming. He's coming. In verse 26 of chapter 15, Jesus says, now Jesus says, I will send the helper, the spirit of truth to you. If he's not who he says he is, then it is a comedy of confusion. But the good news is he is who he says he is. He is the Lord Almighty. He is the mighty God in Christ. And in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And we are made complete in him. There is one God and one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus Christ is the mystery of godliness. That God was manifested in the flesh. They understood. Jesus understood. And we understood. And we choose the simplicity and the sovereignty of Scripture every single time. Amen. Paul would say there is one body and one spirit. Call it what you want, but it's one spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but it is one spirit. Later, Paul would say, and the Lord is that spirit. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith. And one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all. And hear this, and in you all. It took a while, and they kind of got it. But Jesus wrapped up the conversation. Do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come that you will be scattered each to his own. And you're going to leave me alone, but I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And just as he has foretold the disciples, indeed they scattered in fear after his arrest. And Peter did deny him three times, and Jesus was brutally crucified, and he was buried in a borrowed tomb. But we celebrated a mere two Sundays ago, and we ought to celebrate it every single day. That glorious morning on the third day, Jesus was triumphantly resurrected from the dead. He conquered death, hell, and the grave, and he crushed a fatal blow into the skull of Satan and the kingdoms of this world. Now, Jesus enthroned as the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, Jesus revealed himself to them by many infallible proofs. And not surprisingly, Jesus affirmed the same truths that were in that final conversation. 
Jesus affirmed them. And we see it clearly in our text today. Matthew, it's his final account of Jesus meeting with the disciples. Matthew 28 and 18, Jesus came to them and spake. They were still wrestling to believe. And Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Mike, drop, book, close. He is who he says he is. All power, all authority belongs to me. Jesus said it over and over. I've declared it and I've demonstrated it. Now you go. Go do what I've called you to do. Go be who I've called you to be. I am the almighty God. I am Emmanuel, God with you. And I will be with you always. And so they went. And so they did. And so they were. The revelation of who Jesus was, as evidenced by the resurrection, it made them unstoppable. They lost all fear, even of death itself. And they overcame all human impossibility. No wonder Paul would write that if God be for us, then who can be against us. Or John would write, you have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. We love to quote those verses, but they were not written in a vacuum. They were not written as a literary stunt. They were written as lived experience of men and women who believed in and who acted upon the simplicity and the sovereignty of the word of God and the gospel message expressed through their words and expressed through their deeds overcame every barrier it faced. Ethnic prejudice, social, political, gender barriers, economic barriers, geographical barriers, pagan philosophies, and even feel-good false doctrines, the gospel triumphed over them all. Amen. So here it is. What is stopping you? from being who God's called you to be? What is stopping you from doing what God has called you to do? What barrier stands between you and your divine destiny? What sea of impossibility stands between where you are and your miracle? What power of darkness is intimidating you into a corner of condemnation? What is it that has lifted its ugly head this very week and tried to steal the consecrations and commitments you made even this past Sunday? I'm not denying the storms of uncontrollable circumstances. I'm not making light of fear, anxiety, and addictions. I'm not ignoring the crippling influence of insecurities. 
I'm not, I'm not ignorant of underlying doubts that fuel spiritual disobedience. I'm certainly not glossing over sin and the consequences of sin. But in the face of every barrier and in the light of every intimidation and against every insecurity and against sin and against sickness, I've come to remind you of who he is. He is Jesus, and he is no longer the suffering servant or the sacrificial lamb. He is the enthroned lamb who rules as an invincible lion. And Jesus said all power in heaven and in earth belongs to me. Now you can go, and now you can do, and now you can be, because I am with you. I am Emmanuel. It's how I came as a direct prophecy of the old, and it's how I will leave you. I will be with you every step of the way. And so I say that if God be for us, and if God be with us, and if God be in us, then who shall we fear? And who or what shall stand against us? We have overcome them because greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world and by the authority of the word of God and the power of the name of Jesus I say that there is nothing that can stand between you and Jesus there is no sin there is no shame there is no doubt there is no condemnation there's no failure there's no economic status there's no racial color there is nothing, there is nothing that can stand between you and the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There is nothing that can prevent you from marching into the great adventure of God's call. There is nothing that can stop you from arising as a champion of the faith. There is nothing that can keep you from your divine assignment. He said it, and that settles it. Now you have to believe it. And for goodness sake, if you can't believe him for what he said, can you believe him for what he's done? Has he ever done a miracle in your life? He's the same God. Has he ever forgiven you one time? He's a forgiving God. Has he ever healed your body? He's a healer. Has he ever provided for you economically? He's a provider. And if he did it then, he can do it again. He is the Lord God Almighty. And he rules and he reigns. And his word to you is, I am with you. I am with you. You. So how about it, brother? And how about it, sister? Why don't you step into your destiny? Why don't you throw behind the sins that are hidden? Why don't you leap from the condemnation? 
why don't you come out of the cave of fear and why don't you boldly march and say I am blood bought I am called by his name I am in him through baptism he is in me by his spirit I am a child of God and nothing can stop me if you believe that and if you want to act on that these altars are open right now your living room is an altar call right now your row is an altar call right now would you act on what you believe would you take him at his word i am with you